0: Welcome to Alger Assembly of God, and welcome back. We're going to jump back into a series about grace. A couple of weeks ago, uh, before our Father's Day break, uh, we began this kind of shorter series about grace, and we began by looking at a definition of grace, uh, one that I've mentioned multiple times, one that no doubt you've heard multiple times. I've, I've shared the acronym, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. But we took a little bit of an extended look. What are some descriptions or depictions of what grace is? And we looked at those letters. We saw that it was God's free gift. Nothing you and I can do that can earn it. Nothing that we do to deserve it. It is a gift of God. Aren't you thankful for that gift? That, that is a blessing. So it is God's free gift, but it's received by faith. We mentioned that if there's a gift in, placed in front of you, but you never you receive it, you never open it up, you truly have not accepted or received that gift. So grace is received by faith. A, we said grace is available to all. Listen. Every single person can respond and can receive the good news and the grace from God. And that means people that we might look to and say, well, that's a a pretty decent person. That's a pretty good person. They can respond and receive God's grace just like that knucklehead. Anybody know any knuckleheads? Don't point if anybody happens. You know, you you think anyone's here in in the sanctuary. But in your family, in your job, in your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your school system, there are some people you look at and say, this isn't a really, really good person. I'm just not real crazy about them. That person as well is able to receive and accept. It is available to them. It's available to all. We said that C was Christ's costly purchase. It's free, but it costs. Free to receive, but at cost. God gave His Son, Jesus Christ, for you and for me. So it was a costly purchase of Jesus Christ. And then we said it has great eternal benefits. And so we took a look at kind of this, uh, this whirlwind throughout some of Scripture, looking at God's amazing grace. But how many of you know grace is so powerful? Grace is so incredible. There's a lot more that could be and hopefully should be said when it comes to grace. There's a lot more good news. There's good news about the grace of God. And some of the good news is this no matter what it is that you are going through, God's grace is available to you. Aren't you thankful? Because how many of you know, you and I, we go through some stuff. Anybody ever been through some stuff in your life? Maybe you've been through some stuff in the last year or two. 2020 was a year of some stuff. 2021, perhaps, going through some stuff. Maybe you look back in your life. And so no matter what it is that we are going through, God's grace is available to you. No matter what it is that you and I might face today or this week or the rest of this month or the rest of this year, God's grace is available. That's good news. Check out 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. We read this. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. So I like that. He says what you are experiencing is part of God's grace. So in other words, whatever it is, that's part of God's grace. We're able to receive his grace in whatever situation you might find yourself. So we have some pretty good situations. Listen, we're able to receive the good news of God's grace. You're in the midst of some difficult situations, still able to receive the good news of God's grace. And he says, stand firm in this grace. Be assured, rest assured, we can stand firm upon God, His love, His care, His mercy, yes, His grace. No matter what you and I are facing, no matter what you and I are experiencing, God's grace is available. How many of you know we face some difficulties in life? We're going to talk about a handful of those things and see how even in the midst of those things, God's grace is present. God's grace is available for you and I. That is some incredibly good news. We say, God's grace is available to all, and we say to all people, just make sure you understand it's available to you and I, but it's available in any and every situation. God's grace is available. So we're going to check out a little bit more about some of the good news of God's grace. Understand this, God's grace gives us power to stand firm even when tempted. Anybody ever been tempted? Tempted. Okay, some of you are tempted right now. You're tempted not to lie. I, I saw the wheels going in your head. You're like, I don't know, should I raise my hand? Because let the record state, let the video state, not one person raise their hand. They're all saying apparently they've never been tempted. What? God's grace gives power to stand firm even when we are tempted. Apparently, everybody in other churches are tempted. Alger Assembly of God, we're just never tempted. Either that or you, you were just all tempted to lie and not raise your hand. I'm not sure what the answer. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour Take a firm stand against him and be strong in the faith. That's an interesting depiction of the enemy, right? Satan, the enemy, he he prowls around like a roaring lion. The description and the depiction of the enemy is not like a a buzzing, annoying gnat that you kind of swat at. I mean, those are bad. Most people aren't crazy about gnats or mosquitoes or bugs. And and I mentioned about centipedes and spiders. I'm the designated uh, assassin of those in my household. But he's not likened to a pesky pest. He's not likened to an annoying mouse. I don't know, maybe some of you might like mice. Uh, Most people tend not to. It says he is likened to, he prowls around like a roaring lion. Most of us, our experiences with lions are in the zoos. And for most of us, that's plenty close enough, right? As long as there's bars, or as long as, uh, hopefully not bars, uh, you know, but glass and, and walls, and as long as there's plenty of distance and plenty of uh, parameters in between us, We feel comfortable. Or maybe not comfortable, but we feel enough to kind of watch and then keep walking. That's the depiction of the enemy. He says he's looking for some victim to devour. In other words, this is a spiritual battle. Maybe you're aware. Maybe you're not But if not, the moment you became a Christian, the moment that you became a believer, the moment you surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, guess what? You were put and placed into a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle because you are no longer property of the enemy, right? You surrendered your life to God and you are in His hands, So you're no longer in the hands of the enemy, and does that make him happy? No. He's not happy about that. And so there's this battle that's raging as Satan, as the enemy, seeks to devour, seeks to come in and and try to, in many cases, tempt to get us away from God. So you and I are faced with a lot of choices each and every day. It's not just about what we're going to wear or what kind of toothpaste or what kind of pop to drink or you know, where we're going to go for lunch. We are faced with some pretty interesting choices like right or wrong, living for God or turning against God and living for the enemy, selfish or unselfish, all kinds of choices. But the enemy is out looking for you, looking for me, looking for somebody to devour. And so part of that, many times is He's going to look to you, He'll look to me, and he will try to tempt. Or, or maybe I should say, people in other churches, because uh, algebra assembly of God, I don't think we, we deal with temptation. nobody raised their hands. But chances are good. you will face temptation. The Bible says that we face temptation. And so part of the good news that you might have been tempted not to raise your hand because you didn't. The good news is this. Every single one of us are tempted. The Bible says we are tempted. More good news about temptation, if there could be, is this. It's not sin to be tempted. The sin is when you and I give in to temptation. So here's that battle. You and I, if you are a Christian, you've surrendered your heart, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, and now the goal is to please God, live for him, obey him, And the enemy doesn't want that, so the enemy is going to tempt to try to get you and I to sin, give in to that temptation, go against God, go against his plan, and give in to what the enemy wants. So there's this battle, wrong or right, living for God, doing our own thing, doing what the flesh says, honoring and obeying God. There's this battle, and we are tempted. Bad news about it is you don't really outgrow temptation. I mean, there's some things you outgrow. You know, as a kid, there's some things that you face as a kid you probably don't face as a young adult or an adult. When it comes to temptation, listen, young people, children will be tempted to disobey God. Young adults will be tempted. Adults, grandparents, doesn't matter your age or stage of life, you and I are going to be tempted. In fact, we see in Scripture, Jesus Christ himself was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways or in all points as we are. The Bible is very clear about this. Yet without sin. So the, the good news is, yes, realize you and I will be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin is when we give into the temptation and give into that sin. So the grace of God, it's ready, it's there, it's present to help us stand firm even when tempted. First Peter chapter 5 talked about the enemy as the roaring lion looking for someone whom to devour, and he says, take a firm stand against him. Be strong in the faith. God, his love, his care, his power, his grace, it enables us, it empowers us to stand firm even when tempted. Do you and I have to give in to temptation? I mean, is it a a rule? Is it a law that if the enemy tempts us, we have to give in? No. In fact, we shouldn't, right? We should stand against the temptation. Don't give in. Now, many years ago, on Larry King's television show, he was interviewing Billy Graham, obviously the, the well-known uh, minister, preacher of the gospel, evangelist, who, who has you know, ministered for many, many years, had, had touched many, many lives. And in the course of this conversation many years ago, Larry King was bringing up some of the different presidential scandals. So this was probably back uh, early 2000s or late 90s and probably mentioning uh, some of those presidential scandals. And he turns to Billy Graham and he says, you're at this point, you're 80 years old. You've been in the public limelight your entire life and you've never had a scandal. You have a history of integrity. How have you managed to never have a scandal in your life? Billy Graham's response was 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. He says, the temptations that you have are the same ones that all people have, but you can trust God. He will not let you be tempted more than you can stand. When you are tempted, God will also give you a way to escape. Then you will be able to stand it. You want to talk about the goodness and the grace of God? He he allows us not just to be tempted beyond what we are able to, but it says he will give you a way of escape. Now, here's the thing. It's up to you and it's up to me to choose the way of escape. Uh, the escape rooms are a pretty popular thing today, right? Some of you have done that, uh, where you, you kind of pay some money, you get a group of people together, they, they put you in a locked room, and there's all these clues and puzzles that you have to figure out to get out of the room, typically within an hour or so. It, there's this way of escape. So you, there's a way to get out before the time frame runs out, but you got to look for it, right? If you just stand around, those puzzles aren't going to solve themselves. Those locks aren't just going to undo themselves. And you're going to say, Well, I'm trapped. No, you've got to actively look, actively pursue. Boy, this is curious. What are these numbers? What are these letters? What is this over here? And somehow you've got to put all these clues together to solve piece, 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 piece to get out. That doesn't make it quite that difficult. But he does give us a way of escape. That's God's grace. But you and I need to then take that opportunity. When the opportunity comes, don't give in to the temptation and sin. Look for that way of escape. That is an incredible promise. Now, sometimes that's an interesting response on your part or my part to turn away from the temptation and to take the way of escape. In some cases, that might mean flipping the channel, turning the channel off, or turning to a different channel, or going to a different website, or flipping across something different on that smartphone. That might mean taking a a walk away from that group of friends, or that situation, or that party, or that invitation. There are opportunities, there are ways of escape, you and I need to take it. But that's part of the good news of God's grace. Even when we're tempted, he empowers us to stand firm. He doesn't just look and say, oh, boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> just let him get wrapped up in that. He's providing a way of escape. Will you and I look for that? And will we stand firm in God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace and take that way of escape? God's grace will give you and I the power to stand firm even when tempted. Secondly, the grace of God is able to give us energy to stand firm when we are tired. Anybody tired? Now, now we're not just talking about while I I slept, you know, too little, I went to bed too late, and, and I'm just a little kind of groggy and tired. sometimes, We're not always tempted, but sometimes we are just dog-tired spiritually. You ever gotten tired uh, maybe of just trying to do right, trying to obey God, trying to live for Him, and sometimes it's hard to stand firm for God in a culture and in a situation of people who are against God? You ever get a little weary? You ever get a little tired It's tough to maybe stand for God in the school system, maybe amidst a a group of some friends who don't seek after God. Sometimes it gets weary and tiring to serve God at the workplace, maybe because of your boss who's not a Christian, or or maybe because of some of the other people that are there, and it's just tiring to always try to seek God and honor God and obey God. You get weary in the midst of that. Because how many of you know that the right thing to do is not always the easiest thing to do. Anybody ever experienced that? It's okay to raise your hand. It's okay to, it's okay to there we Okay, we got some hands. Just, just making sure those hands are working. It's not always the easiest thing to do the right thing. Many times the easiest thing is the sinful thing. It's the you know, giving in to temptation. It's doing what everybody else is doing, even if it's against God. Sometimes if you are the only Christian in your workplace or in your family or in your school system or in in your circle or cycle of friends, it's challenging to always, you seem like you're always going up against those, those forces of evil and it's difficult to always say yes to God and turn aside. Sometimes it's just tiring. This is uh, one of Kim's favorite scriptures. She's not feeling well, not able to be here today. Or I might even get an amen from her. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, one of her favorite scriptures. It says this, let us not grow weary in doing right, for we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Sometimes we get weary in doing right. We get weary in trying to honor God. We get weary in, in always trying to serve God. Uh, let, me just, let me just do, the, do what I want to do. Let me just give in to the crowd. It's so much easier. Don't be weary in doing right. Why? You'll reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. God's grace and strength are there. You get the power and the strength and the energy from him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 2, it says, It is God who gives us the ability to stand firm for Christ. He's commissioned us. He's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. What we were saying it earlier. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. He identifies us. He, he, he says, you are mine. He's the one who gives strength. He's the one who gives the ability to stand firm. Yes, even when it's tiring, even when it it seems like you're always trying to serve God, sometimes serving God goes against the, the norm, goes against kind of where mainstream is going. And you see this in today's culture. So many situations of people are going against God. And it will be just so much easier just to say, sure, I believe in that, or sure, I agree with that. But that's not what God's word says. That's, that's not what God has put for you and I to live. He says, don't grow weary in doing right. God's going to give strength. God's going to give energy. God's going to give the grace to be able to stand firm and obey Him. That strength and ability comes from God. You and I don't always have that power and strength and energy. Sometimes you, you just feel kind of spent. You ever felt like that? Some, sometimes it's physical labor and physical exertion. But how many of you, you've been kind of mentally or spiritually just exhausted? Maybe it's been in the the midst of some conversations with a family member or a friend. You're you're kind of talking about some of the things of God, and and you're trying to stand for what's right, and, and they're kind of coming up and attacking, and it's just a conversation, but you feel worn out, zapped, and tired, right? God is able to strengthen, provide the energy to stand firm, even in the midst of being tired. We don't have the strength. We don't have the source of energy. God does. Sometimes it's difficult to continue to be persistently obedient to God. Sometimes we obey God for a little bit. We obey God for a day. We obey God for a week. But sometimes it's just hard to keep obeying, keep obeying, keep obeying, keep being good, keep doing right, keep honoring what God has said. Being persistent over the long haul can be spiritually tiring. Think about some of the biblical characters who were persistently obedient to God. Think about Moses in his various periods and portions of endurance and persistence. Now, Moses, uh, remember the, the situation? He kind of messed up, and he, he knocked off that Egyptian who was mistreating the Israelite, and so he ran off in the wilderness. He spent 40 years in the wilderness kind of running and hiding. Then God called him and, and had the assignment to head before the Pharaoh and remember the let my people go. And then God's people, the Israelites, did go. Where'd they go? Back to the wilderness. What happened? 40 more years of leading a, a bunch of kind of whiny Israelites, disobeying Israelites, not so thankful Israelites in the wilderness. I mean, 40 years in the wilderness and then 40 more years in the wilderness? How difficult, how how challenging mentally, physically, spiritually would that have been to keep leading this? kind of stiff-necked people i mean there's all kinds of descriptions and adjectives there in the bible right but it's a it's a not so great kind of people and he is trying to lead them to obey god to keep doing the right thing even when they mess up and he says you know i'm going to go on the mountain and he comes back down and we just kind of had this gold and we put it together and boom out came a calf I i don't know how that happened how irritating, how frustrating, and he is he's got to have God's grace upon his life. You and I go through difficulties, we can trust in and turn to God's grace upon our life. How about Noah? All those other giants of the faith in the Old Testament. Noah building the ark, right? How many of you would love to be ostracized by everybody everywhere because what you were doing to honor and please and obey God seemed crazy to everyone else? Most people don't like to stand out. Sometimes that's hard, right? By taking a stand for God, sometimes we do stand out because we're different from the crowd. We're obeying what God says to do. And so here's Noah Building the ark where there's no body of water anywhere near, anywhere close. And he took years and years and years, uh, a variety of discussion as to how many years. Most would say somewhere between 50 and 75 years. An incredible amount of time. And he built that ark in the midst of a culture who would say, listen, what in the world are you doing? He probably got tired. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8 says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of tiredness draining our energy, we can find grace from God. God desires to equip us and empower us and energize us. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. It's not about our willpower. It's about God's will, and it's about God's power. It's God at work within you. God at work within you. God wants to give you and I his power, his strength, his energy, that even when it seems like I just can't keep saying yes to God and all this energy that I'm expending to live righteously before God, he wants to energize and equip you to do that. He gives the power to stand firm when tempted. He gives grace to supply energy When tired, finally, he gives help to stand strong when we are troubled. You and I face trouble. The honest truth is we do face temptation. The honest truth is at times we get tired, we get weary, we get worn out. And the honest truth is you and I face trouble, difficulty, hardship well-known scripture, John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we say, God, that's not a promise I want to stand upon. That's not a promise I want to claim. He says, you will have trouble. Expect it. Don't be surprised. Don't be blown away when it happens. There's difficulties, hardships, and obstacles that we face. But again, remember, Jesus finishes. He says, take heart. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. In essence, Jesus is saying, I will give you the grace to help you stand strong in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of your hardship. Doesn't mean you're not going to face it. Doesn't mean you're not going to experience it. But it means I'm going to give you the grace to stand strong in the midst of trial. Now, some troubles we bring upon Have You ever done that? Your decision, your your, uh, choices in life sometimes bring you hardship. That's true. Sometimes, you know, we bring things upon ourselves, and then we figure, well, I got to handle it. I messed it up. I got to clean it up, right? Sometimes the most difficult things that we face are the unplanned. Something happens in our life physically, financially, uh, relationally. We're not planning and we're not ready for it. It happens, and then we don't know how to handle it. It doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. Most people can handle things if they know that there's an end in sight. I mean, if I'm going to have, you know, one more day of this, I can make it. One more week of this, I think I can make it through. One more month, whatever this process is, this financial challenge, this physical journey... But it's the not knowing at times. When we say, I don't know how long this is going to be. I don't know how to handle all of this. And God's promising his grace to help you and I stand strong, even in the midst of trouble, trial, hardship, and difficulty. Isaiah 41, verse 10 Do not fear, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Focus on God, focus on his strength, his power. He wants to equip you. You're right, you and I can't handle this life on our own when difficulties and troubles hit, but God can. Look at all the things he's promised. He said, I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. God's promised to do those things. We live in a pretty self reliant culture, right? I can do it. I'll face it. I'll do it on my own. As a a little kid, those are some pretty common words that are said. We, We heard those from our girls. I do it myself. Those are ones, you've heard those from kids and grandkids, right? You try to help them? No, I do it myself. I mean, that's some of it's just innate and some of it is just learned in our culture where we say, well, we can and maybe we feel like we should handle things on our own. God's saying, listen, you can't. You can't handle everything on your own, but my grace and my love and my mercy are there to help you stand strong, even in the midst of trouble and hardship and difficulty. There's a lot of things we can't control. You didn't have necessarily the say in when or where you were born. You were born. You and I don't have necessarily all of that say in when or where our life ends. We don't know all of the things that are going to take place in our life between now and then. I mean, we can control a lot, but there's a lot of things we can't. So when life hurts and when troubles come and we don't know where to turn, know that you can stand strong with God's grace. Rely on the grace of God. It gives you power to stand firm when you're tempted, energy to stand firm when tired, Help to stand strong in the midst of trouble. How do, I, how do I get this grace? Real quick, three brief thoughts about how we get this grace. Number one, ask God's help. Pretty simple, right? Go to God. We are not sure about where to turn or how to receive strength and help and energy. Go to God. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be a opened unto you everyone who asks receives he who seeks finds to him who knocks it will be opened admit your inadequacy admit you can't handle life on your own and ask god go to god in prayer ask for strength ask for his power ask for his help ask for his grace god loves to hear you the prayer of his child ask god's help Second, I encourage you to study God's word. Get into his word. Psalm 119:25 the psalmist says, "I lie in the dust, revive me by your word." In other words, the psalmist is saying right about now life stinks. I'm lying in the dust. I'm facing a difficult situation, troubles, hardships, trials. He says, "Revive me by what?" Revive me by a, a coffee or a Mountain Dew. Revive me by a great show. No, he says, revive me by your word. It's always good news to turn to God, to turn to his word for strength. Uh, the New Age lie, which you know, they call New Age and some of those thinkings, it's been around for years and years and years, and it basically says this, look within yourself. All the answers are in you, right? Find it within. Just look deep within yourself, and you'll know what to do. Those are lies. Within within ourselves, there's there's a whole lot of not-so-good stuff within us. We've got to turn to God, turn to His Word. Let God and His Word comfort and strengthen and soothe and direct. So we ask God for help, study His Word. Finally, trust God's promises. Here's one, one that no doubt you've heard, one that many of you maybe have learned or memorized, Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, that's a great promise to hold on to. That's a great promise to trust. Now, don't forget the first part. They that wait upon the Lord, those who are seeking after, waiting upon, turning to, trusting in God, those are the people who can receive the help, receive the strength, the running and not be weary. Listen, you and I face a lot of things. But in this Word of God, there are thousands of promises, encouragements to stand upon, to turn to. So turn to them. Rely upon them. Trust in God and His Word. Put your faith into action. Believe the promises are true and receive God's grace.